live from the ESPN 690 and the Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Monday, everybody. Are you recovered from NFL Draft Weekend? Started on Thursday, obviously went Friday, Saturday as well. And then Sunday, a day to digest, signed some undrafted free agents. And also, hello, Cam Robinson. Signed his extension today. Could tell he was a happy man and wants to be a part of this thing. One of my big takeaways of the weekend, do the Jags have people that want to be a part of this thing? And, and what do you mean by that is, Oh, why wouldn't they want to be a part of it? They're an NFL team, all this stuff. Well, we did experience, remember, some people that didn't want to be a part of it. Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey. And I'm not saying they should have at the time. I'm not blaming them. But at some point or another, it was, hey, I want out. Uh, There's a lot of folks now in that building that feel like, hey, I want in for a variety of different reasons. But I think that's a key part of this. They want to be a part of a team, uh, the the era, if you will, that maybe flips this forward. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Shaq Griffin comes to mind in this. Uh, he could have picked a lot of different teams probably, and he's wrapped his arms around this. And I think some of the guys that they drafted too, of course, is ecstatic just to be drafted. But now you start building around it. Cam Robinson's another, right? I mean, he could have just played on the tag and then tried to go somewhere else, and he's been through some good and some bad, um, and it, he wants to be a part of it. So I, I like that. I think that's cool. I would like that if I was in the building. Um, and, and maybe I don't want to over-dramatize that, but I just think it's one of my takeaways of the weekend that, hey, you've got some guys that, that are embracing the idea. They know what it is. They're not oblivious to where Jacksonville has been, but they're embracing the idea of maybe flipping it around uh, here in Jacksonville for the Jaguars. Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz here on a Monday, and uh, the wind might blow a little bit. And by the way, that's not a bad thing because it's hot out. we got a hot week which means we also have some playoff baseball, softball, and other things in the area. we got Final Four teams in lacrosse, so uh, a little home cooking for me out here at Creekside High School. They're hosting the district in uh, 7A, so I'm going to enjoy some of the weather, some ball, and uh, let's talk some football uh, most of the day today. Casey Kurtz, big takeaway of the weekend and the NFL draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars is what? Eh, you know, yeah. eh, I, I was happy on Thursday, relatively. Um, you know, I'm really excited about Devin Lloyd. And then from there, it was just, you know, okay. I see what they're doing. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I love it. Um, but if you got a plan, you got a plan. I'll respect the plan. We'll see if it works. But, you know, little maybe something left to be desired at the end of the draft. I don't know. I just, just eh, That's how I feel. Okay, so let's – and you're not alone there. I think there are a lot of people. First of all, I think it's, let's say this. Thursday night, obviously, was a big night. They get two picks. Now, we can debate them. We will debate them. But they got two picks. Friday, they get two more picks. They're out of the second round, but they get two in the third round, 65 and 70. At that moment, we were on TV on Friday night. And, Casey, we said this. The draft is over for the Jags. Like, the Jags, by that time, had traded some away. And and they would eventually trade more away. And they had 12 selections. They end up with seven. But the draft was over. They, They were not picking in the fourth round at that time. And you had, like, a fifth round, I think, three-sixths and two-sevenths, I think, remaining. And, and again, they didn't do all that. But the draft was over. They were not going to find anybody of significance after Friday. And I've really tried to, I guess, beat this home to folks all weekend, is once you got past 70 for the Jaguars, and I would make the case even once you got to 70, but we'll, we'll go deeper on that in a moment. 
as weird as this sounds, for a football team that's only won four games the last two years and three last year, it's not easy to find somebody that was going to be plug-and-play starter. It's weird, but it's not. it wasn't easy. I don't know if that's based on all the Jags draft picks of the last couple of years, the fact that they signed, like, what, they signed nine, ten guys uh, in free agency uh, in terms of keeping their own as well, uh, and then, or, or it was just because the draft wasn't as good. Like, it just wasn't deep enough to be able to say, hey, at 70 or 85 or 105, you're going to find a guy that might be able to contribute right away. I know the adage in the NFL is, hey, go find, uh, you know, in your first four rounds, you can get three starters, maybe four. Well, I'm just not sure that was the case with this draft for a lot of teams, not just the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, Casey. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I hear what you're saying. You trade away the picks, but... Listen, when it comes to uh, the third round, like, I see what you're doing. Fortner might be a starter, okay? Chad Muma, I'm on board with it. Um, You think he's going to be good? You got the potential there? Like, okay, I I can see what you're doing there. I just – I don't know why I tweeted this. I've never been so mad about a fourth round in the draft in the history of, like, all time. You have all these guys that are wide receivers and running backs and tight ends that are just going and going. And you had those sixth-round picks. You had the seventh-round picks to – at least try to go maybe get one of these guys. And I just didn't love how that played out, I guess, because I don't think we're okay with how the wide receiver room played out. The tight ends, we got two of them now, but they're both on one-year deals. Like, when you see all these guys going and you see teams trading up to get these guys and JAX never pops up on the screen, it's kind of, in my opinion, frustrating. But it says they must love the wide receiver room, I guess. Well, or does it say that they don't love what was left in the wide receiver group in the draft? It says two things. And be, let's be honest now, Doug Peterson said this isn't as deep as everybody's saying it is. Like, in their view, it wasn't this crazy deep class as in, like, recent years because you do get a lot. Now, a lot of those guys came off the board pretty quickly. I think by the third round, I, I believe, a set, or through three rounds, 17 receivers had gone off. So pretty quick. But So your frustration was in the fourth round, you would have liked to see them jump back in spend a couple of those picks, almost like they did. What they ended up doing is trading away, like, a couple of picks for a 2023 fourth-round selection. Yeah. Which, didn't that speak volumes? Like, they were willing to go get a fourth-rounder next year rather than jump back in this year because they obviously didn't covet anybody to that degree. Yeah, I thought about that. Um, You know, like, again, if that's the plan, then that's the plan. If they really didn't like any of these guys, then fair enough. I like what you're doing there, but... I just have a hard time believing that some of these guys that you could have came in and got are not going to be good players. That's just kind of how I'm looking at it. All right, so I want to elaborate because this is about, like, I had a kid at home, too, that that is like, why aren't they going to get, like, Jalen Tolbert, right, the kid Mm -hmm. out of South Alabama? So I'm going to use him as this example. Sure. He ends up going 88th. I forget where he ended up going to, but he goes 88th. Side note here, Daniel Jeremiah said he had him 88th on his board and he went 88th. That's pretty wild. That is pretty Uh, wild. That's a pretty pretty good. Dallas, by the way. Dallas, if you're pretty, um, if you're doing this as a job, and you hit the bingo board at 88, that's pretty good. Yes, you know? Yeah, it is good. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so here's my big contention, and this is like people got to, and I listen, I, uh, I was like, what, another linebacker, Muma? I, we had heard the name, right? We knew like second round kind of grade guy. Like a lot of people thought he could go late first, early second. So I think there's some value in it. But wait a minute, another linebacker? They just got one and spent a ton of money in free agency on Aluakon, and then they just spent capital, big time capital, to go get Lloyd, and we like that. But then to go get Muma, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, why? Like, what, what? So we all were. That was the one that got everybody. It's like, okay, why not go get X player? Um, and here is my reasoning, I think. And I'm going to take Jalen Tolbert into play. 
All right. Maybe you reach for Tolbert or pick your receiver that went between 69 and 88. And what I would ask you is, at that point, what position, what player were you taking at number 70 that was going to come in and be a starter for you? Everybody wants those top 70 picks to be a starter for you. But who was going to be a starter? Like, I don't know. Jalen Tolbert might be a good player. But I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to beat out Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and even Zay Jones. I mean, I'm pretty sure. So at 70, you're picking like a fifth wide receiver? If you want to give him one of those guys, you're picking a fourth wide receiver at 70? Like, so you see my point? Like, yeah. I don't, why are we so upset about trying to pick a... Uh, isn't it better to go get a core special... From their thinking, isn't it better to go get a core special teams guy and a guy that in this defense... Another linebacker, just in case somebody goes down, can play maybe right away. But also in this defense, when you use Lloyd in specialty situations, you might be able to play him on, I don't know, 20 plays in a game if this kid's really good. So, like, from their lens, I can kind of see why they went with their next best guy. And, and we all will say this, and everybody will say this around the league, Muma was a really good value pick where they got him at 70. So I kind of get it. I don't really know too many places they were going to go, Casey. That were there was going to be an impact player. I think Muma might have the best chance to be an impact player than anybody else they would have picked, even a receiver. Yeah, I I, I do hear what you're saying, and I like the idea that now that you have Muma, there's an opportunity to move Devin Lloyd to rush the passer more because I think I want to see that. So I do understand what they were doing there, but like if you want to use that exact example you gave between those two picks, he's not a receiver, but Travis Jones is a guy that Jan. Jeremiah had like 34th best player in the draft. He went 76 to the Ravens. He's a defensive tackle. Okay. Yeah. So one, he's going to the Ravens and he plays defense. So he's guaranteed to be a pro bowler. But it, I mean, that's another position that you need where I guess they don't have him valued. Obviously they didn't have him valued as the 34th best player in the draft like Daniel Jeremiah did. But that's, that's a name that I'm sitting here looking at like, well, you know, that could have been something. Tolbert's another one to your point, but you know, and then the interesting one is like Nicobe Dean. I understand the medicals weren't good, but what happened? Like they had yeah. to have had Nicobe Dean higher on their board than Muma. I, obviously, they didn't. Now that we see how it played out, but that just is intriguing to me. And that's totally a medical thing. And obviously, what happened—the pectoral, the knee—I mean, he slid so far. I mean, this guy was like—I thought he was one of the best players coming out in the draft this year. I mean, I really do. From a football standpoint, I think he's one of the best players. But if the medical concerns make him go 83, like the Jags aren't alone there. And they're trusting their doctors and what everything says, and they don't trust that. And so uh, could he have been not a character guy that you took off your board, but maybe a medical guy you took off your board? And it looks like the answer could be yes um, in that respect. So, listen, the one thing about this, and this is going to be crystal clear for the Jacks, and I know where everybody's mind is. I know there's a bunch of scar tissue. I know there's not a lot of confidence in bulky. Like, all those things are factual, okay? That, that's true, and you're right. I, I don't choose to think that way, especially this time of year. I, I've never seen these guys play. I don't know how they envision them in their scheme. Like, I'm going to hope for the best for these guys, and this is kind of the time they flip it around. Uh, you do have to hit some, but they are going to be measured directly against others. And if you're talking about the top three rounds, Casey, like you just brought it up. N'Kobe Dean or Muma? Jones or Fortner or Muma? Uh, And you really can clear as day go through this with the first overall pick. Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson. Like, as it shook out, 
if you really wanted to change things up, the Jags could have gone in a bunch of different directions at one and still ended up the way the board shook out, trading back in like the Jets did to get Jermaine Johnson. Or they could have not waited until Fortner was around at 65, where they might have reached a little bit for a guy like that, traded up to 25, I think it was, or 24, and got Linderbaum. Right. Right? Yeah. And so they're going to be measured. Like, this is actually one of the more clear drafts, that, in my opinion, that they're going to be measured with the decisions they made. And I think part of that is, well, they're always measured by the decisions they made. But I meant, like, juxtapose it to what other people did, either right behind them, right next to them, in front of them, that they could have been in the same conversation. And so I think that's why this draft has a, is fascinating. Like, there is not going to be a lot of ambiguity here, whether they got it right or wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the whole thing comes down to, and I texted you about this, in my opinion, this whole entire draft, except for maybe one or two picks, you drafted for potential. And I understand that that's important, but when you had some other names that could have been there, that the potential, you understand what it is, and the production is there, they didn't do that. So that was obviously the plan they had in mind, in my opinion. They were going for the potential, the home run, the boomer bust, and we'll see how it plays out, but... I understand that I, I, I'm i going to beat this home for a while, but you can't put up a graphic on NFL Network that says most drops by wide receivers in the league last year and not pick one at any point in time. Like, it just doesn't sit right. Well, again, though, we, we have to be careful of a couple of different things. This is, what, this is what I would say to everybody who I've been saying. Don't forget about free agency, man. They did just add two guys, okay? They added Zay Jones and they added Christian Kirk. We don't have to love that. I'm not asking you to love that. But they also asked, They also got Evan Ingram, too. So they added these guys. Like, we can't just ignore it. The draft, they hope they get a bigger bang out of the free agency class than they would ever get out of, out of the, the draft class. And we just talked about this Friday, and I think we hit on something that's very important that we'll talk about going down the road, that they need to start investing in young wide receivers soon. But this draft didn't shake out to the point where the, I think they could. They weren't. If they're sitting at 15 next year... And, and there's five good receivers, they're going to get one of them. But people feel way more comfortable picking a receiver at 50 than they do at number one overall, especially with the injury history some of these guys had. Now, some of the other teams just said, screw it, I don't care. Jameson Williams, we're going up to get him. Drake London, we're getting him. And maybe the Jags will be wrong in that too, but they will have to invest at some point in some of these big-time wide receivers uh, because of the way the contracts are going to work out. And when Trevor comes due, we talked about it on Friday um, in that regard. I won't spend too much time on it right now. I also would say two major things strike me. When you have players that we all have talked about for three months, four months in mock drafts, when you have players like in the SEC that you have seen and performed well, and this is the old production thing where Hutchinson goes and he's a Heisman finalist and Walker is not. We are all going to say, I know what that guy can do. I saw him do it. I think he can probably do it at this level, too. Well, the one thing is, we don't know if that guy can do it at this level, too. Like, we've seen plenty of players in Jacksonville look pretty good in terms of production and fizzle out and not do much at the NFL level. And so the Jags, you're right. They are on projection right now and how they fit in their scheme and defense. And it's up to them to make the most out of those players and prove that production will come because of what they're doing with that player. So there's a lot of onus on the Jacksonville Jaguars to make that happen. I put it on the coaching staff uh, to make that happen. The other one uh, area of, of caution, like we are – I thought the interesting thing, and I kind of love this, that not too many people love the Jags draft. I did tweet today, Dane Brugler said he thought the Jags had, like, the sixth best draft. 
and I had not seen anything remotely close to that. I had seen a lot of the experts saying uh, 29th best draft, 27th, the Jags reached here, they did this. Like, they didn't like it. Well, I'll tell you, I've been around Jacksonville now for 15 years, and I guarantee you 12 of the times people are like B+, plus, A-, minus, B, good draft, blah, 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 blah. This is going to be a great draft for the Jags, and look where it's got them. So, like, so you want me to believe the guys that thought Malik Willis was going to go top 20, that N'Kobe Dean was going to go in the first round, that both those guys went 83 and 86, but those guys are telling me that it's a bad draft and the Jags suck and this wasn't right and blah, blah, blah. You want me to believe those guys that thought those two players were supposed to be top 25 players? So, like, we've got to be a little careful that I know there's not a lot of faith in Balky. The Jags said they redid some things. I've heard they vetted guys out more than they ever have before, and so they changed their processes a little. We'll find out if it works. I'm not telling you it's going to work, but I thought Shad Khan's soundbite Saturday on how the process went was pretty telling that they changed things. They tried to be different because they've had so many failures. And now you have Doug Peterson, and there is not a lot of confidence even nationwide in the analysts and the pundits on Bulky. Most people don't believe he should be the GM. So naturally you go in from a spot of negativity almost. So I, again, those are my two big cautions. It's like, wait a minute now. You're not These guys don't always get it right. <laughs> what I would do is I'd hope Dane Brugler is the best one at it, and he's the most right <laughs> if I'm a Jags fan. But I'm telling you, I come off this draft, and I kind of like it. I think they have alpha dogs now on defense. Alpha dogs potential. I think Walker has that. I think Lloyd has that in him. I think Josh Allen is that guy. I think they hope Aluakon and Fadakasi can be those guys. Like, I think they have alpha dog potential on defense. And if you go back to 17, the Jags had it. They had Malik Jackson. They had Calais Campbell. They had guys like Miles Jack and Telvin Smith at the time who played like that. They had Jalen, of course. You know, they had enough. You're not going to have 11 of them. You're probably not going to have eight of them. But you have four of them or five of them that you feel like they can be game wreckers, game changers. And I think the Jaguars' defense now is built like that. I'm with you, everybody. They've got to do more on offense. I'm not the most confident guy this offense is about to go score 30 a game. I'm not. But defense is important, too, and they stunk at defense as well. And by the way, the teams they play this year, like the entire AFC West, you might want to build around defense a little bit. Good luck stopping some of those guys this year. Yeah. And so, so I get the angst a little bit. But i got to be honest with you, I'm a little positive all the time anyway. I understand that. Uh, that's a default um, by me, and especially this time of year when I haven't seen any of these guys play and how they're going to use them and how their defense is even going to pop out and where they're going to play these guys. I think they have a bunch of versatility on this defense. I think they have potential dogs, like alpha dog guys on this defense. And if they put it together and these guys blossom and, and, and continue to thrive in or do thrive in this defense i think they have a chance to have a really good defense and then we'll see about trevor how good he can make the offense uh let's take a break when we come back i want to put your mind at ease about one other thing that nobody's talking about when it comes to even the offense and nobody's talking about i haven't heard anybody talk about but it hit me yesterday and so i went to the depth chart just to remind myself and look And I hope I can make you feel a little bit better about the draft class if you don't. Or this roster, if you don't, uh, when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on a Monday. Got a lot to get to. Uh, Start thinking about a question like this. If you could buy a jersey for one of the new members of the Jags from free agency or draft, who would it be? 
think that could be an interesting response. I don't even know who I'd pick right now. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We go around the league in the NFL. Uh, the Ravens did something that the Jags would have been ridiculed for, but the Ravens get praised for. It's so funny how perception is reality. Uh, and by the way, that's not everybody else's fault. It's a little bit the Jags' fault. That's a lot of it the Jags' fault. Uh, but we talk offense and Trevor when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Um, I kind of I kind of knew the whole time this was the place I wanted to be long term if they would um, have me. So it was just kind of um, you know just kind of a thing. Let's get the get with my agent and then have them get with the team and let's just let's just get it worked out. And um, it took a little while, but ultimately I kind of figured we would get it done. So. Um, I know we were working towards the point that we ended up getting to, so I was just excited when we were able to get to that point. That is Cam Robinson. Talked to the media today, uh, extended, um, which we knew was happening, right? Uh, but they announced it. He did it. He signed it. He's done. Uh, done deal. He's with the Jacks for another few years. Do we like that? Do we like the signing, the fact that that's done and left tackles locked up and this team doesn't have to worry about it? How do people feel about Cam Robinson's extension? I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, there's one thing you don't have to worry about. I love the idea of not worrying about something. Uh, everyone has opinions on Cam Robinson like everybody has opinions on everything, but if you're asking me, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I am too. Uh, again, I'm of the guy – I've never like not liked Cam Robinson as a player. I thought he was probably better than some people gave him credit for. Um, but I also was a little surprised with what was available in the draft that they were thinking of – tagging and then extending Cam Robinson. I told, I've told you this many a times. I thought they probably would have tagged DJ Chark and maybe not signed a guy like Zay Jones. Um, I think you could have made the case that's a better option, your own guy. But Cam fits that model too, right? That's their own player that they drafted and developed. And um, I think he's played good football. I don't think he's proven yet he's an elite tackle or he would have got more than three years, $54 million. That's still a pretty nice paycheck, but he has to now prove that he can be elite and consistently elite. I think his biggest knock, if you listen to folks talk about Cam and you ask around, is probably inconsistency over the years. But he also has gotten better and is way better than probably people think, which I think he represents their entire offensive line, which is better than people think. Uh, he also did talk about Brandon Linder being gone, and it hit him really hard. Uh, and Linder did a lot of things in that locker room and in his room to you know that probably nobody knew. You know, so um, can Tyler Shatley and now this Luke Fortner kid, can they take over that center room? It's going to be a little bit of a transition. The one difference or, or thing about it is, I mean, Leonard didn't play all the time. So we kind of experienced Shatley, and I think a lot of people are okay with Shatley. Now it's just about trying to find the guy of the future at center. Maybe Luke Fortner is that. I, I don't have strong feelings that he is, but they probably do. At 65, you can find your... Center of the future. Guess where they found Brandon Linder? Right there in the third round. So hopefully they made the same kind of evaluation because if he can be Brandon Linder good, that's a hell of a pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars at 65 in the third round, finding Fortner out of Kentucky. Brett Fortner, Casey Kurtz here on a Monday. Hanging out at uh, Creekside High School, St. John's County. We've got district uh, tournament. We've got a couple games beyond behind us. Um, everybody's here. It's not just Creekside playing, but uh, five teams in, or six teams in the district. And so uh, they, those games start tonight and all over the area. A lot of people ask me all the time, hey, we're going to go catch a good baseball game or a softball game because they know I'm living in that world. Well, it's not just here at Creekside this week, but all over the area. Look up the school, and you can probably find uh, some really good ball districts going on 
uh, both in, in baseball and in softball. All right, I told you I was going to talk a little bit more about the offense. Try to make you feel a little bit better about the offense, even though the Jaguars didn't do a whole heck of a lot uh, in offense in the draft. And so here's my attempt. The Jacksonville Jaguars were not a good football team last year. We all agree on that. Yeah. Pretty simple. What if I told you that the Jacksonville Jaguars have 10 new starters in 2022 than they did in 2021 on their football team? Not just offense, but on their football team. I mean, it's 10 a good out of start. 22, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, so this goes back to my conversation of where else were you going to plug people in? Well, on offense alone, Evan Ingram, Brandon Sheriff, uh, Christian Kirk. I think right now we got to put Zay Jones in there as the third guy, considering they're paying him $24 million. Yeah, agreed. And by the way, now, they have you have two other caveats to this. That's four out of 11, okay? And the guys that you're keeping are Trevor. Uh, you actually could have another one with Walker Little. You do have another one with Ben Barch, but he's more of a promotion guy than you went and gut guy. Uh, and then there's Marvin Jones. And then, again, the Walker Little Jawan Taylor thing's interesting. And then Shatley, uh, again, kind of he's, he's a new starter, but he's more of a he's, – he's one of your guys. So they have – like my point is they have 10 different guys on their 22 offense-defense that were not even on the team last year that they've brought in. So this is a whole different look. Never mind the depth, but it's a whole different look. And the one guy I'm not even including in here, again, this is on the team, but he didn't play a lick, is Travis Etienne. So you technically have 11 new starters. Well, you really technically have 13 new starters if you include Barch and Shatley. You could have 14 if you include Walker Little. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, like this feels like the same thing. The Jags didn't score points. They didn't stop anybody. Casey, this isn't the same thing. I mean, it's a whole new roster that they've remade with $175 million with some of their own players that they had drafted recently, a la Ben Barch and ETN, maybe even a Walker Little, and what they just got in the draft. Like, we have got to, we've got to put our arms around this and say, all right, this is totally different, like totally new. This is not the team that just went 3-14 and 14 last year. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. We have to put our arms around it because what choice do we have? But didn't we put our arms around it last year? We were in a similar spot. Were we not? And they did remake. They remade the roster quite a bit last year as well, uh, free agency-wise, right? Shaq Griffin, uh, Jenkins. Yep. Um, ETN technically would have. Trevor, Marvin. Trevor, Marvin. Uh, but they were still – they had guys – now listen, this like I think Andrew Norwell. I think I'd rather have Andrew Norwell than Ben Barch. Right? Go, yeah. Going back to that real quick, what? So if she, like we're not going to sit here and pick who's going to start at center, but Fortner has to start somewhere, right? Center guard. Like they picked him, he has to be a starter, does he not? I don't. I I don't buy that. I mean, if first of all they want to play him at center. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as they should. Okay, so, like they told us that. They told. They say want to play at center. So do you want Luke Fortner playing at center, or do you want Tyler Shatley playing at center with Trevor Lawrence right now? Like, I think I want Shatley. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that, but then you start to look at, you picked him 60-50 to start. Like, you know, it feels like Walker Little last year drafted him kind of out of necessity and not going to play him, and now you did it again. You know what I'm saying there? 
Well, I know what you're saying, but I think this goes back to like what I'm trying to get. I understand that's the, the, the case. That's usually the case. I do think Muma and Fortner are potential guys that will get some playing time based on one injury or two scheme for like Muma's sake. I mean, Fortner could go his whole year and not play if Tyler Shatley plays well and Ben Barch plays well and Sheriff stays healthy, right? I mean, he might just not play. But I also view that as a good thing. Like, see, they drafted Walker Little, and they viewed it as a good thing that he didn't play because they feel like they pushed the best out of Cam Robinson and it ended up falling in their lap of a contract extension because they got the best out of him. So this goes back to what I was saying is I know that the third-round guys are supposed to start and contribute, but did the Jags have enough open spaces for that? And in the third round at pick 65 and 70, were you going to upgrade the spots that you think you might be a little light in? So to answer your question, I don't know if Luke Fortner, and right now I don't have a lot of confidence that he is, but that's just because I don't know much about him. Sure. Like where Linderbaum would have been a plug-and-play over Shatley, and I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. Right. I don't know if I have that confidence with a guy like Fortner over Shatley, but he might. He might win that job. And and same thing goes with Barch. Like, if you had drafted a guard at 65, like, I don't know if that guy at 65 is better than Ben Barch. Like, I hear good things about Ben Barch. And he's also a guy you drafted a few years ago as a, as a little bit of a project to hopefully get the rewards like right now in years three and four and see what he is. So the Jags are just in an odd situation because they spent a lot of money in free agency and they also have had a ton of draft picks over the last few years. Now is the time you get to see if some of those draft picks, like a Ben Barch, like maybe an ETN this year, like a Cisco maybe this year, are really good, or they missed. Like, we really don't know. Right. We don't know if Ben Barch is bad or if it was a bad pick. We have no idea if Cisco is a bad pick. Hardly played. We, we have no idea if Walker Little is a bad pick. And that's, I think, the one bit of criticism I still give this regime from last year is why did you pick Walker Little if by the second year we, we might not even be able to get him on the field? Right. But that's my point in the conversation. Like, that's a second-round pick from last year that you still don't know if he's going to be on the field, but you bought him as insurance in a just-in-case because, well, we have to plan just-in-case in case Cam Robinson walks and goes away or Jawan Taylor's just really not that good. Now we have Walker Little just-in-case. And so I think the Jags have a couple of players that are just-in-case players. I think Walker Little's one. I think Mooma's one. I think Fortner might be one. And... To be honest with you, I think that good teams do that. Like, you have to – you can't just be empty in a spot in the NFL and have to rely on some guy that you pick up off the street once a week, you know, in November to come in and contribute. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird – I listen, if I'm having this conversation about the Baltimore Ravens, you're like, well, yeah, Brent, of course, they've got a lot of good players, and they've got guys that have been there, contributed, you know what they can do, and so, of course, in the third round, they're probably not getting, like, starting guys, because they've got to beat out Calais Campbell, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I get it, as we're talking about a three-win team versus a team like the Ravens that's been perennially pretty good, but it also is the nature of the NFL, that when you have really going into this draft, the Jags would have had 35 draft picks in a three-year span. 35 draft picks and a crap load of money to spend in free agency. Then you really don't have, with a 53-man roster, a lot of holes that you actually know about. The Jags might have a bigger running back hole than they know about. 
they might have a bigger interior offensive line or right tackles hold than they know about. They might have a bigger free safety spot than they know about. But if you don't know, you got to find out. Right. So I just think that is that is to me the fascinating part of this. And I think if you said like the, everybody doesn't feel good with. 22, and I think he kind of slide 23 in there because of, like, Darius Williams I might have included. You know, that nickel guy has played so much. Um, and then maybe offensively, I, I don't even think I put two tight ends in there. So, um, But I probably put, like, James and ETN. But if you go add it up, 22, 23, like, starting caliber positions, the Jaguars will have 14 new starters. 14. It's a lot. Like, that is a... And, and yet we want him to do more. That's like, fair. What, yeah. else, what else do we want him to do? I give it to you. Yeah. I, I, no, I hear you. And to your previous point, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap my arms around it and I'm going to go forward and with an optimistic mind. But, you know, we did this last year and that's kind of what we've been sold on for like ever as Jags fans. So I need to see it, but I'll be optimistic about it. I'll get on board. I'll sunshine and rainbows with you. But... I need to see it. What? Uh, well, we're going to take a break. We'll take a break. I want to ask this question. Again, it might be a little bit later in the show. We'll have some fun here uh, coming up with, with something a little maybe off uh, totally football X's and O's. But here's one to think of. What position do you hate on the Jags? Like, what do you just hate? And I kind of have a feeling I know where people are going. And I'm not sure I fully hate it as much as you do or uh, someone else does. I still don't think it's great, but I'm trying to think of a position that I just hate on the Jags. Hate, like, it's awful. It's a strong like, you word. You can't compete. Yeah. You know, like, you can't compete with that. So think about that a little bit, bring it up, uh, coming up uh, down the road. I also still have that Ravens. I do have this Ravens example. Again, I, I'm the Ravens, I thought, had a really good draft. But the Ravens get credit for something in this draft that the Jags would absolutely get obliterated for. And this is where perception and reality can be two different things. We're coming back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Have a lot of fun breaking down the draft for not just the Jags, but the rest of the NFL as well. We'll be right back. It's a very Packer draft. They did trade up in the second round for a receiver. That sounds like something the Packers would do. Trading up in the first round for a receiver does not, and they didn't. They sat tight. They took two Georgia defenders. They needed help on defense, and they felt like they would stay true to who they are, which is, for the Packers, the draft is about the long term, period. And yes, we know we're short at receiver this year right now, but there are other ways to fix that other than drafting a rookie and trading up and trading multiple picks to draft a rookie who may not be ready to help right away anyway. So their approach has led to more wins over the last 20 years than all but two teams, and they feel like it's the right one, and they feel like that validates it. Sounds like Dan Graziano there. Yep. Talking about the Packers. You know what's really interesting about this draft? Like, are the Packers in the mix of teams that didn't people didn't love their draft? Well, well, yeah, because they didn't get a first round wide receiver. But they got like what was it the Watson kid on North Dakota State in the second round? Yeah, no, I thought they did fine. But I'm just saying, like the Packers fan base is so numb to that that they once again did not get a first round weapon for Aaron Rodgers that they're just over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. So I think it's fascinating though. Green Bay and New England. I mean, New England. You know, obviously, you have a lot of folks up there in New England that. I mean, they hate the draft. Like, 
This might have been, like, from a perception standpoint, the biggest botched New England draft in 20 years. Well, I mean, some would say it's strange, you know? <laughs> ah, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. My inner Stuart Weber right there. Uh, <laughs> everybody needs a little inner Stuart Weber from time to time. Stuart Weber may join us, by the way, back from Vegas. Um, we also should have uh, maybe a couple one-on-ones that we did over the weekend with Trayvon Walker and uh, Devin Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> it's like Jim Mercer's still not over the Jags loss, so we'll have that for you coming up a little bit later on. And uh, speaking of another team, if the Jaguars were to pick who Baltimore picked in, uh, oh gosh, why do I keep forgetting his name? Ojabi, Ojabo, 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 um, who got hurt at his pro day, right? Uh, yes, he did. Correct. Like, the Ravens are getting all this credit because of Kyle Hamilton. You mentioned the Travis Jones kid. Uh, were they the ones that got Linderbaum? They were. And 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 even the Ojabo kid who got hurt. And so they get, like, this praise for him. Like, they took a kid who got hurt, like, at his pro day. Like, if the Jags did that, they would get hammered. Like, the Jags couldn't pick that guy. Yeah. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, but they picked him at 45. Okay. Like, nationally, the Jags would have got... Like, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think we would have hammered them. But, like, nationally, yes, they would have. So, in terms of the national reception, yeah, the Jags could have done something like that. But for me, that's a great pick. Well, and, and by the way, the Tennessee Titans had had actually... They did this with Simmons, remember? Jeffrey Simmons? Yeah. And it kind of worked out for them, right? Yeah, he's pretty good. But he, they didn't have him for most of the first year, if not the entire first year. Correct. And and so my point in that is, listen, I don't hate the pick for Baltimore. They might get extreme value there. But if Trent Baalke and the Jacksonville Jaguars do that, they don't get love for it. The Baltimore Ravens get extreme love for it. Well, there's two reasons. One, because the Ravens usually draft well. They have a great history of drafting well. Mm-hmm. And they're perennially a good team. Although... Somebody remind me the last time the Ravens have won a Super Bowl or been in it. It's been a minute. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while. Meanwhile, though, the Jags have been perennially bad, and they haven't drafted well. And so if the Jags did the same thing the Ravens did, and I wouldn't have minded it, everybody else would have minded it. And they would have been like, Balky gets the injured guy. You know what I mean? Yes, I like, do. Exactly what happened. Now, the Jags have made – see, that's part of it. The Jags have to – you know, when, when you first, like 10 years ago, the Jags had to change the, a little bit of the national narrative of they're moving, they're moving, they're moving, they're moving. Sean did that. And he's done that. You don't hear it. Just don't hear it. I mean, 10 years ago, you had, the Jags would have been in London by now. Or San Antonio. Right. Like, everybody's been wrong. Go get the receipts on those people, please. Because everybody's been wrong. From Lock and Fora to the guy that used to run the London game who said they'd be there by 2021, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. It hasn't happened. It's not happening. They're looking to renovate a damn stadium. In Get Jackson. him, Brent. Get him. Like, you, you are dead wrong. You, you were not right at all. But now the Jags have to somehow flip this perception that they can't draft. And they're not good drafters. And it's not just one thing. It's two different owners. It's uh, one, two, three different, I think, three a uh, few. different GMs. A few for it's sure. It's an executive vice president. It's like five different coaches. They just can't find the way to do it. And that's the thing to flip. 
and then maybe you get credit for taking some of these guys later or something that's a little outside the box. But right now, and, and again, I'm not telling you the Jags deserve credit. I just think it's an interesting dynamic. I had this conversation with Ben Becker, and we got into a shouting match on Saturday night about it. Oh. And he's like, well, because the Jags, like, they're bad because they're bad. Like, they're always going to be bad. I'm like, well, you still have to try to get it right in free agency in the draft. Like, you're trying to flip it around. I'm not going to assume every move the Jags make is bad because, like, that's not how this works. I'm also not going to assume every pick the Ravens make is good. Like we'll find it. out. Like, we'll find out. Like, I mean, it's definitely been better. I would Now, if you ask me to go to Vegas and place a bet on whose draft's going to be better, yeah, yeah I'm going to slide it over to the Ravens. They've earned that. But I'll give you another example. Didn't we all think Devin Bush was, like, fantastic when the Steelers got him? Yeah, pretty much. Well, they're not even picking up his fifth-year option. That is true. Now, that doesn't mean they won't keep him or try to find a way. That might be a philosophical thing. But, like, wasn't he the guy that everybody was like, hey, yeah, he, he replaced Ryan Shazier? Uh, yeah, that was him. And they're like, wow, this guy's awesome. What a pick. What a great pick. What a this. It's the Steelers. It's a this. I, again, I don't really know too much. I just saw that today. I'm like, wait a minute. The Steelers always draft well. The Steelers always have good players. The Steelers, this guy was raved about when they picked him. Um, why aren't they keeping him? And, and. Now, again, I will caveat this with, like, even the Ravens had really good linebackers, and I think one of their philos- philos- philosophies is, go. hey, we're not going to pay linebackers $50 million uh, over four years. And so that's one of the reasons they got rid of, like, C.J. Mosley, and they lost somebody else to, like, the Titans. And then they just replaced them because <laughs> they're pretty confident they can identify linebackers. So maybe the Steelers are the same way. But there have been, it's been interesting to watch even some of these good teams not keeping some of their fifth-year option guys. Yeah, like we talked about it the other day, was the Raiders? They declined all of them. All of them. Yeah, and like, and I feel like some of those guys are pretty good players. Yeah, I do too. I think we had that conversation. I wouldn't necessarily put the Raiders in a team that you're consistently counting as a good team, but you know they're on the way to doing that. So uh, we'll see how that plays out with them. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, somebody else just did it today with like a lineman too. But I think they they didn't pick up the fifth year option, but they also um, they feel like they want to extend them. I guess. And and now some of this does comes down to the dollars. Like, Raiders definitely comes down to dollars. Yeah, now it does. Because, yeah, I mean, they're paying like $28 million for this guy and $40 million for Carr and blah, 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 blah. So um, that might have had just as much to do with it. You can't keep everybody. Uh, we got a question out there. If you could get the jersey of one player the Jags have added in the last two months, free agency or draft, who would it be? Whose who's jersey are you buying? It's always a dangerous thing in Jacksonville, by the way. Yeah. But whose jersey are you buying? Uh, we're live down in St. John's County. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN at 690. We're coming back right after this. More football talk, more NFL draft talk. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.